think Singapore is probably one of the friendliest environment when it comes to doing business. But I wouldn't say that this is the main thing that people come to Singapore for. I would say that people actually value Singapore uh, for our legal, regulatory and risk frameworks because we are one of the few exchanges that meet international standards. Janice, it's so great to meet you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you, Jamie. Um, pleasure to be here. Janice, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Singapore Exchange, the product offerings, product innovation. What I'd love to do is get a little bit more background about yourself. Um, so what's your role there and maybe get a history of the Singapore Exchange itself. So uh, I'm uh, head of markets at SGX Group. Uh, and that's the equity shelf. It includes the cash market as well as the equity derivatives contracts. Actually, um, the exchange is like my second home. I've been there for three decades now. But I started quite humbly from the, uh, from the Cymex entity, uh, which was the company that merged together with Stock Exchange of Singapore to form the Singapore Exchange. It was really a momentous milestone for, for Singapore when Cymex was formed. So this is actually the, the entity that was derivatives franchise of SGX Group uh, 40 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So at that time, it was the first financial futures exchange in Asia and lots of hype around it, like what you can do and how we can be on the global map. But not including Japan or including Japan? No, not including Japan. Okay, yeah. right. So uh, Japan is started with a commodities exchange. So when it comes to financial <coughs> futures exchange, uh, Singapore was actually uh, the first. So the beauty of that is that we managed uh, to successfully grow the Euro-Dollar futures contract in the Asia time zone. And that's a big deal at that time because I don't know whether you remember, there is only physical uh, floor trading for futures contract at that time. Yeah, so no electronic trading was available. Wow. Yeah, so there is no such thing as like, you can trade like 24 hours a day, so you're actually constrained by the real estate. These are physical people in a pit trading with hand that's signals. That's right, yes, yeah. So those <laughs> were the days. Uh, and for a contract like Eurodollar, so Eurodollar is an uh, interest rate contract mm -hmm. uh, that is based off the uh, three months uh, dollar LIBOR. Uh, so it was, uh, it would be great to get like you no know, 24 uh, hour uh, liquidity uh, throughout the, all the time zones so that traders can risk manage their positions with interest rate movements. Um, so with a constraint like a physical floor, it's, it's not possible. Uh, so in order to do that, actually we must have partnerships. Uh, each covering 12 hours of time zone. Uh, and that's the, that's the magic of the uh, mutual offset system that was uh, innovated uh, by Cymex at that time and also uh, CME Exchange in Chicago. So for 12 hours, uh, Eurodollar traded on the physical trading floor of Cymex and hmm. the other 12 hours was covered uh, in Chicago. So that allows really a 24-hour uh, risk management time zone uh, for all participants. I think that really put uh, Singapore Cymex and Singapore on, on that global map. How much of a impetus is there from the Singapore government to really make Singapore itself a sort of financial centre within Asia? I would say that the motivation and the ambition is, is set very high. Um, Singapore is a very small nation. We don't really have natural resources. Yeah. So in a way, the odds are quite stacked against us. Yeah. So the only valuable resources we have is actually humans, mm -hmm. uh, people. Uh, and that's where uh, services become much more important. And financial services at this moment, I would say, is top priority uh, for the government. And 
Singapore is one of the key uh, financial markets in Asia. So by FX trading, we are third largest in the world. So really, yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of small um, details about Singapore that uh, is still quite unknown to a lot of people. So on the Singapore Stock Exchange, obviously you have equities trading, you mm -hmm. have options, uh, mm -hmm. derivatives, commodities, interest rates with euro dollar. Who decides? And perhaps this is you. Who decides? Uh, <laughs> What products um, you're going to start to trade on the Singapore exchange and uh, how do you know when the products are going to work? Uh, what determines like what are the best products to, to have on, on, the, on the exchange? That is actually a very big question. Mm. <laughs> well, in the exchange world, um, launching new products is probably quite a daunting task. For every product success that I've seen, there are many more that has failed to gain market traction. So what we uh, normally looked at is try and identify what's the gap in the marketplace mm. yeah, as a start to able to fill a shelf uh, for, for our clients. So our clients are global institutions. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are not just Singaporean uh, institutions, European institutions as well as uh, US institutions, uh, actually a big part of our clientele. So for us to be able to uh, attract them to come to this marketplace uh, for all their agent trading uh, requires some thinking. So when it comes to Chinese and Hong Kong investors, they typically use Hong Kong Exchange, Shanghai Stock Exchange. Is, is that right? Our value proposition is actually Pan-Asia. So our shelf covers like almost 100% of the uh, key Asian markets. That would include like Japan, mm -hmm. India, China, Taiwan, Singapore. And we are multi-asset class. So aside from equity index futures, the other two large uh, derivatives uh, products will be commodities futures and also um, uh, currency futures. Yeah, so in total, uh, this shelf serves our global institutions uh, for their risk management needs, looking at Asian underlyings. And just going back to product innovation, how can you tell if you think a product will succeed or not? There are two measurements. Okay? One is look at the volumes. Okay? The other one is looking at the open interest. But these are very hard I would say very superficial kind of uh, statistics that's offered by a lot of magazines and uh, actually also newspaper reporting mm -hmm. to determine the success of the product. But if you take a step back, um, what is the real economic value of a futures contract? Uh, it is actually the utility of risk management. Participants can use those products uh, to risk manage their portfolios. Mm -hmm. uh, so that means that as an exchange, mm, <coughs> Fundamentally, you are not really a product house. You're actually providing a risk management service. Mm. So like any marketplace, um, exchanges as a financial infrastructure thrives actually on two parameters only. Number one is the network effects. And two is portfolio effects. So network effects is just a function of like number of users and the diversity of distinct user groups uh, that are using your products or service. This is important because we need to match buyers with sellers mm -hmm. to form a trade and we can't have everyone on one side of the market. <laughs> yeah, so so that that network effect is, is important. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you look at portfolio effects, it's slightly different. Uh, portfolio effects looks at the range of products that is relevant and available for the users and uh, what is the efficiency that you can offer them so that they will you know, trade everything with you on the same single platform. So it actually measures the stickiness of the users to your platform. And in combination, I would say these are these two probably will determine the, uh, whether a product will succeed or fail mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to attracting early adopters 
to form this network effect and form this portfolio effect. Over the last five, 10 years in the US, one theme we've seen is the rise of the retail investor, uh, mm-hmm. not just in stocks and shares, but in uh, ETFs and options too. What's the kind of state of play in Singapore and Southeast Asia? For Singapore, it's a very unique um, situation because majority of our clients, uh, both stock market as well as futures markets, are actually institutions. Retails uh, are present in our market, but they actually very pay small. a small uh, share uh, in terms of volume or activities, mainly because first, our population is not high. <laughs> There's just so many uh, people. So if you minus people who are too old or too young to trade, uh, yeah. the actual trading population in retail is not going to be much. However, because our clients are global uh, when it comes to uh, stock and futures market, uh, that's where you see that Singapore features when it comes to like top five uh, markets in, in Asia. So Asia is very fragmented. We have maybe close to 40, 50 markets, you know, cash and futures markets combined. We have about 50 um, venues. The top five like China, India, Japan, Taiwan and Singapore. The rest actually it just it just tails right. So for those, uh, they are looking for the ability to enter these markets in a very easy manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So imagine if you are global institutions and you need to access like five six markets in Asia, it's quite difficult. Mm. Uh, and most of these markets they are closed markets or semi closed markets, whereby they either have capital currency controls or you need some kind of foreign limits in order to enter the market. That means that. It puts many people uh, actually uh, not look at Asia as one of the investing uh, venue. Mm. And it's quite costly to Asia in that sense because there's so many capital flows and if you can't attract those capital flows, you can't actually grow the market. So one of the value proposition of SGX is we provide the risk management uh, shelf for clients to uh, use our products as access products. Like in partnership with FTSE Russell, we had the uh, China A50 index futures and the Taiwan uh, index futures, uh, which means that you can use those futures contract as an excess product or as a futures overlay to your investment yeah. and portfolio strategies. So those have been very popular when it comes to how do you get exposure without you know, getting your feet wet you know, by going to the countries uh, trading on the venues itself. So it has been quite helpful. And the platform efficiency that SGX offers also means that it's actually very uh, cost-efficient for mm. them to come to, to SGX to trade a variety of contracts because we offer margin offsets between okay. uh, the various asset class and so within the asset classes. Increasingly, I see that margin offsets is critically important uh, with the rising uh, interest rate environment or the higher interest rate environment, even if uh, there's no more increase in uh, interest rate uh, for a while. Mm. The, the watermark has been set. So the cost of trading is getting higher. So every dollar of margins that uh, an institution plays on exchange, they want to maximize that value. And that requires a portfolio effect to happen, whereby they can come and trade a multiple variety of products and being able to you know, uh, use that same dollar margins uh, to fund those positions. Do you see the regulation um, in the financial services industry in Singapore as friendly? I think Singapore is probably one of the friendliest environment when it comes to doing business. Uh, but I wouldn't say that this is the main thing that people come to Singapore for. Uh, I would say that people actually value Singapore uh, for our legal, regulatory and risk frameworks. 
because we are one of the few exchanges that meet international standards. When I say that, I really mean it because uh, for SGX, we are a certified F-Board, a foreign board of trade by the US, USCFTC. Mm -hmm. uh, we are also a recognized third country uh, CCP by the European regulator ESMA. So that really you know, puts us in a high watermark when it comes to the risk management and regulatory framework that our clients can expect from us you know, when they trade. Because at the end of the day, uh, what matters to clients is that they are assessing an institutional-grade market that is situated in a triple-A-rated country in Singapore. Mm. That's a real compelling proposition. So who do you see as your competition? Actually, competition is everywhere. Um, I'm often asked, like, which exchanges are in competition with Singapore? And I don't really see it that way. I see it as, like, um, who is competing for the wallet? Yeah. So, and that's really a lot of things. It's like, it can be uh, a banking product. It can be, you know, deposits with the banks. It sure. can be mutual funds. Uh, obviously, it can also be cash and also futures positions. Yeah, so, there are a variety of uh, instruments that as a retail or a global institutions can actually access uh, to uh, put their money. So I see that competition um, is a very narrow way of defining like you know, where you should look. So if you are able to uh, see beyond that, then actually there's a lot more collaboration than competition that mm. we, can, um, we can experience uh, in the futures and options world especially. Yeah. So the earlier example I gave you, why we are successful in the euro dollar is because of a collaboration with Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Right. Okay. And that mutual offset system it still exists today. Uh, we don't use it for euro dollar anymore. We use it for Nikkei, the Japan Nikkei futures, and that that is like the I would say the most innovative um, clearing link uh, globally right now when it comes to how you can help. Uh, clients risk manage you know, their, their portfolios of rates positions. Do you um do you have ETFs trade on SGX as well? Mm, yes. Yeah. So uh, ETF is actually growing very significantly for mm. us in the last three to four years. Uh, it could be COVID because people will have more free time to look at okay, <laughs> how to rebalance your own portfolio. And uh, uh, it's also difficult to have new product innovation at that time. So ETFs becomes a uh, a very easy way for, for mm. passive investment. In Singapore, what we have seen is that the last two years, our assets under management of the ETFs uh, has grown like twice, mm -hmm. almost doubled. Uh, and the number of uh, ETF launches, I think is at record high as well. Yeah, So we have not done so many ETFs in the last two, three years compared to five years ago. Yeah. Janice, this has been so great. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here.